Well, it's really great to see all of you. Uh, if we have not had a chance uh, to meet yet, I, I would love to have that opportunity to meet you. Uh, my name is Nathan. I I'm the new middle school pastor. Uh, my wife, Elizabeth, and I, thank you, thank you. Yeah, my wife, Elizabeth, she's here tonight, and she'll start being here uh, on a weekly basis as well. And we just moved from uh, Destin, Florida, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so if you love the vacation, uh, I would highly recommend Destin for you. Uh, before we get into the message and everything, I do want to give you a couple of announcements real quick. First thing is this, hey, the notes that you have. If you don't have notes, you need notes, right? I, I'm a terrible person at remembering things, and you probably are too. Unless you have a, a memory where you can just remember everything, you need notes. So make sure you get a, if you don't have notes, go get notes right now. Get a pen and take them. Uh, but if you have notes, we also have binders for you to store those in. That way you don't have to just throw them under your bed at home, wad them up, throw them in the trash can. You can store them nicely and keep them week to week. Uh, also, if uh, you did not go to Joel's leadership class, I would highly recommend you go. Man, I would have killed for an opportunity to have a leadership class, not just available, but for free, that came to me at youth. Uh, so I highly recommend that on Wednesdays, you go before youth at 6 o'clock, go downstairs in the summit room, and go be poured into and allow God to develop you into the leader that he wants you to be. So make sure you check that out. Also, if you didn't eat Chick-fil-A tonight, those of you that are eating it, good job. You ordered it ahead of time and on time. But if you're like, man, I wish I had Chick-fil-A, hey, Wednesday's at 10. That's the cutoff. So make sure you order your Chick-fil-A Wednesdays at 10. And so as Wade said uh, earlier, uh, before the worship, we're kicking off a brand new series tonight, In Christ I Am. And throughout this series, we're really going to be sitting in Ephesians, and largely in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at all the different things that Paul says are true about believers, those who are in Christ. And what we're going to see is we're going to kind of continue from the last series we were in. If you remember, Wade, as he was speaking, given the messages, he would highlight the truth, but he would also show us the lie that Satan was, was wanting us to believe, but showing us the truth that God had for us. And so as we work through these next couple weeks, we're going to look at, man, what does the Lord say about us, say about those who are in Christ? But we also want to make sure we identify the lie. That way you can identify it in your life and be able to counteract that with the truth. Now tonight, as I said, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, have the Bible app. Uh, go ahead and get Ephesians 1 up. It's also on your notes. It'll be on the screens. But I want us to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And here's what I would encourage you. On your sheet, in your Bible, on your phone, if you have the Bible app, highlight, this is a challenge for you, see if you can highlight all the different things that Paul says in these verses about those who are believers, those who are in Christ. So let's read Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 together. Here's what it says. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family 
by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us His mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill His own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised, and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. So there's a lot in just those short 14 verses. There's a lot that Paul unpacks here that is true, that he describes as true for people who believe in Christ. But tonight we're just going to look at one word. We're going to look at one thing that Paul says is true about believers, and that is, in Christ... I am. In Christ, we are loved. In Christ, you are loved. Now, I want to pause your thinking here for just a second because if you're like I was when I was your age and a student, the moment a student pastor said the word love, I checked out. I said, this is not the message for me. I don't need another dating talk. I don't need another relationship talk. I know what love is. Great. We do this every February, and it's like we're just on a clock. But I promise you, this is not that type of a message tonight. We're not going to sit here and focus on on your dating relationships and what it means to love one another, but we are going to focus on love. And it is important for us to break this down to a foundational level. Because if we're going to understand what it means for us as believers in Christ to be loved, we do really need to understand what love is and where love comes from. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to unpack what love is. We're going to unpack three different things. The first thing I want us to unpack, if you're taking notes, is this, the source. I want us to unpack what the source is, and I want to ask you a question. The question is this, where do you look, or maybe who do you look to, to define what love is or what love means to you. Where do you look? Because you have to look somewhere to get an understanding, to get a basis or a foundation of what love is to you. And I want to argue that there are two main sources. There's two sources to love. And the first one's the world. The first one is worldly love. Right? It's, the, it's the type of love that that culture puts out there. But here's the problem with worldly and culturally love. Love as expressed by culture is a love that is fueled by emotion, is fueled by selfishness. It's all about what can you give me? How do you make me feel? That's what worldly love is. 
And when we turn to that source, that's the type of love that we adopt. And I want to step on your toes a little bit. The music you listen to will define the way you see love. The shows you watch, uh, step on some toes. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, if we're turning to shows like that to, to, to be the source of how we identify what love is and looks like, we're going to have a misperception. If we look at media, social media, if we're turning to that source, it's going to influence our perception of love. On the other hand, there's another source. And that's the Bible. That's this right here. These pages, the, the pages and the words that God has given us. Scripture as a source. And there's a big difference here between the love that Scripture portrays and the love that culture portrays. And I want you to see this difference. Because Scripture, love in Scripture is an action. It's an action. Love is an action that is focused on serving. That is focused on sacrifice. I want to read a verse uh, in 1 Corinthians. It's on your notes as well. And this is a, a verse many people know. You, you've likely heard this before. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-7. through 7. Here's what it says. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I want to give you two other Scriptures too. Probably the most iconic verse in Scripture, John 3.16, but, but let's focus on what John 3.16 says here. God loved the world and then did what? God loved and then He sent. God loved and He sent His Son. Right? Love there is not an emotion. It's an action. Right? When we look at John 15.13, right? John 15.13 says there's no greater love than this for one to lay down his life for his friends. It's an action. Love is an action that is fueled by sacrifice. That is fueled by serving. So we've got the two sources, right? We've got, we've got the world and we've got Scripture. Now, why, why is it important for us to break it down to this level to understand what the sources for love are? And the reason is, is because sources influence us. Right? When you go to social media, whether you know it or not, social media influences you. The music you listen to influences you. And so the sources you turn to in life will influence your thinking, will influence your perspective. And so I want us now to shift our perspective to the, to the influence. We've got the source, and now we need to think about the influence it has on us. And again, I want to ask you that same question. Who or what, where are you turning to to influence your understanding, your perception about love? Because culture teaches us that love is conditional. Right? If, if you love me, that means you're going to treat me a certain way. And we've also are, are in this culture and society where love is temporary, where you can love someone one moment and not the next. And so when we're turning to this culture to influence our understanding of love, we shouldn't be surprised 
when we start thinking that that's what love is. It's this temporary, conditional thing that is just fueled by emotion. But there's a problem because that is not what God's love is. But when we look at Scripture, we see a lot of things. And I'm just going to give you a couple. There's a couple blanks there on your notes for you to fill these in. And these are just a small fraction of adjectives that describe God's love. Like God's love is unconditional. It's constant. It's forgiving. It's sacrificial. It's gentle. But it's also correcting. But how can we understand that God's love is these things when we're turning to a source that tells us otherwise? When we're turning to a source that says love is temporary and conditional, how could we ever believe that God's love is unconditional? How could we believe these things about God? Right? The, the, the truth is, is that God loves you. The truth is, is that God loves you. But when we turn to, to culture and society as our source, we begin to believe the lie that I'm not loved. That I'm not loved. Right? The truth is, is that God does love you unconditionally. God loves you no matter what you've done. If you're an Alabama fan, God still loves you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're a Cowboys fan, Nikki, God still loves you. But when we turn to a culture that produces a conditional and temporary love, we believe the lie that God only believes me when I... You fill in the blank there. You fill in that blank. God loves me when, when, only when I'm perfect. Only when I make good grades. Only when I'm starting on the team. You fill in that blank because we all struggle with those things. But we, all, we all have these things that we start to believe God doesn't love us if we're not doing something in particular. But that's because we're allowing culture, we're allowing society to influence that perspective and we're believing the lie instead of the truth that God loves you unconditionally. And He loves you unconditionally because His love for you is not dependent on anything that you can do or have done. God's love for you is solely dependent on what He has done for you. Right? John 3.16. God loved the world and He sent His Son. Right? God's love for you is solely based on what Jesus did on the cross for you. So you can neither earn His love nor walk yourself out of His love. God loves you unconditionally. But we also have to understand that last adjective that I gave you for God's love is that it's also correcting. Like God loves you no matter what you've done, but God also loves you to the point that He doesn't want you to do certain things. Like that He has set up limits and rules. You remember Wade a couple weeks ago was talking about the rules that, that Scripture gives us, the limits to live within. And that's not because God wants to be this strict God that's mean and doesn't want you to have fun, but because He cares about you and He doesn't want you to get hurt. He doesn't want you to start believing the lies. And so He sets up a structure. And deep inside, we, we all have this desire, this deep desire to be loved. And we sell ourselves short sometimes because we're believing the lie. Because we're, we're going to the wrong source. 
And if only we would go to Scripture as our source, we would begin to believe the truth that we are loved in Christ. You are loved in Christ. That is the truth. But I have to also give you the catch. Because there's a catch here. In Christ, you are loved. That's the catch. The catch is the relationship matters. The relationship matters. The the relationship is the most important thing. Your relationship with God is what all of this comes from. In Christ, in your relationship with Christ, you are loved. Now, now let's just think about this from a realistic perspective for a minute. My wife Elizabeth, I I may want to, to, to bless her and to love her and to give her different things, but can she receive those things if she's not in the relationship? If she's not in the relationship, I cannot give her the benefits that come along with that love, with that relationship. And so you are loved by God, but you cannot start to receive the benefits of that love until you decide to enter the relationship. You have to enter the relationship. And for some of us, maybe that's the next step here. Maybe the next step for you is you need to enter the relationship. Because I can sit here and tell you day after day that God loves you and He loves you unconditionally and all of that is true. But for you to experience that love, you've got to enter the relationship. You've got to enter the relationship if you want to receive those benefits. And when you enter that relationship, that looks like loving God in return. Relationships aren't a one-way street. It's loving God. It's serving God. If you want to enter the relationship, you have to turn from the world and start going to Scripture as your source for what love is so that you can start to believe the truth instead of the lie. As we go through uh, these next couple weeks, there's going to be a lot of different things, and I'm really excited for the different people that are going to come up here and share. You're going to get to hear from a lot of us sharing our perspective about what it means to be in Christ and who we are in Christ. But all of it hinges on you going to the source. All of it hinges on you entering the relationship. And so if you're here tonight and you're that person and the next step for you is entering that relationship, come talk to Wade. Come talk to myself. Come talk to Ashton or Brandy or Nikki or talk to your small group leaders. Man, your your small group leaders are such a blessing in your life. And you may not even know that or realize that, but your leaders are a huge blessing in your life. Talk to them. Because we want to walk with you. By entering that relationship can, can, can be confusing, can mean a lot, and we want to walk with you. We don't want you to do this alone. We want you to take that next step with us. But it's important, and, and we want you to take that step because we want you to begin knowing what it means for you to be in Christ.
Tonight, I want you to begin to understand what it means to be loved in Christ and not what it just means to have a a conditional temporal love that culture produces. So my hope is, is as we go through small groups tonight, that you'll take that next step with me. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to go back to the foundation of my relationship with Christ. And I'm going to begin asking God again, God, what does it mean for you today? Today, what does it mean for you to love me? And what are the blessings I receive from your love? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I I thank you for this night, just the opportunity we have to gather together. Lord, I thank you for these students. I thank you for the amazing blessing that it is to, to be here with them, Lord, to share your word with them. Lord, I pray for these students tonight, Lord, as we go into small groups, Lord, that you would speak to us Speak to us exactly how our hearts need to hear from you. Lord, speak to us your truth. Uncover the lies that we've been believing about love and show us the truth about your love. Lord, if if we are running to the wrong source, Lord, I pray that you would help us turn our eyes to Scripture, turn our eyes to you. Help us to enter that relationship. And Lord, if there's a student here tonight, Lord, that doesn't know the love that you have for them, who doesn't feel loved, Lord, I pray that you would just wrap them up in your arms. Lord, I pray that you would just surround them with your grace and with your mercy and with your love. Lord, be an undeniable presence in their life. So Lord, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these students and pray that you would speak to us through the rest of the night. In your name we pray. Amen.